Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. How are you this morning? It was a busy weekend. It's a beautiful morning. It's uh, The wind is going, and it feels good outside. It's like 56, not quite 60 degrees, and uh, I love it. But I, I was kind of driving on my way to school. You this, were kind of driving, or you were driving? I was uh, watching a movie as I was driving. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was just kidding. Uh, I was... Um, so I was driving. <laughs> Lord, uh, I was driving. Darlene, if you're listening, it was a joke. Yeah, she's the marshal that's at all of our masses. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was driving, and I was thinking to myself, "It's like I am ready for it to get a little warm, so I could get inside a pool, you know, get a swimming pool and stuff like that." But I still love this weather. Oh yeah, if I never swam, and mm-hmm. this is the weather we got all year round, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, and, and like the heat is coming too, so you got to enjoy it when you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this weekend was busy. We had uh, two confirmation masses, um, and we also had two weddings uh, this past weekend. No uh, baptisms? Uh, no baptisms because our uh, confirmation mass, the oh, first one yeah. was at 10 a.m. On, on Saturday, Saturday. Which would normally be the time we would do baptisms. Yes. Yeah. So um, it was a beautiful weekend. The two weddings were incredible, uh, beautiful couples uh, that I helped kind of get through the marriage prep process. And for the confirmation masses, we have so many kids, which is great. We have to have more than just one mass. And kind of as a side note, uh, we moved, as a diocese moved, confirmation to be eighth grade and not 11th grade. So this year we confirmed juniors. And so we had a meeting last week uh, as a deanery. Here's some church trivia for you. Uh, so our diocese is broken up into four deaneries. You got it. Yeah, and we are in the central deanery. Um, and so as a central deanery, one of the deaneries, we met and talked about what are we going to do uh, for the confirmation transition. And most likely for us at St. Pius, we'll do it over a two-year process. Because if we we couldn't do it in one year. I told Deacon Sammy on the phone yesterday that, um, and I don't think this is what we're going to do, right? But I just think it would be cool that we should just run out the Cajun Dome Convention Center and have one confirmation for 400 people next year. It would be 500. (laughs) It would be 500 500 kids. That that would be pretty legit. Uh, but like we want we to celebrate the Holy Spirit and the outpouring and manifestation <laughs> and stirring up of the Spirit. It'd be awesome. What about the church? What about the church? <laughs> you want to celebrate in a sacred space? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so then we'll just have the candidates in the church. Families can watch via live stream. Via live stream. They'll be outside, <laughs> ready to greet them. Uh, so, yeah. We <laughs> go big or go home. That's the thing. We couldn't do it in one yeah, year because no, we would have 12, I think it was well, seven or 12 masses. And it would be 500 kids. Mm-hmm. So we don't, even, we don't even have the manpower to train that many kids in one year. So the, the shortest amount of time that we'd be able to do it, which is what we're looking at, right? People are hearing it first here. Nothing's decided, but this is what we're leaning to is in the course of two years, where uh, each mass has about 60 kids, which is manageable with their families. Uh, I mean, it's a packed church. And we'll have, uh, I think, 12 masses over the course of those two years. Um, Now, we would most likely get delegation from the bishop to do confirmation, right? So, like, I've done confirmation. Father Brady has done confirmation. But 
only a bishop is allowed to confirm unless he gives delegation to a priest, which is most likely what will happen. I'm saying most likely because the bishop doing 12 confirmation masses for one parish, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's got to get to literally 150 other parishes in the diocese. Yeah. And so, but we'll see how it works out. Well, we can deep dive into that when we talk about confirmation. Because mm-hmm. we're doing, in a sacrament series right yes. now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our sacrament series for this past week, we talked about holy orders. Uh, first, remember I said that I so was... So stay tuned. Yeah. We're on confirmation in a later episode. Yep. Yep. And so that last week, I kind of broke down how I'm going to go about the homily series. First, I want to talk, I was going to talk about something very general about sacraments. And then I'm going to move into the sacrament of that day or that week uh, based on scripture. And then I was going to move into that sacrament for today or like how it looks today. Um, so what I talked about this past weekend was why are there seven sacraments? This, the seven sacraments. seven's a biblical number. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a whole, <laughs> and I, I said this in the homily and no one caught on. I said, why are there seven? Well, there's a number of reasons why, right? You get oh, it? Yeah, little play yeah, on words. No, no one got it, but I'll tell you what, there was one, I think it was my. It's a father joke, not yeah. a dad joke. You get it's it? A it's a father joke. father joke. <laughs> there was one mass. I won't say which one, but it's actually recorded uh, live stream on Facebook at the 5 p.m. Uh, on Sunday. So I won't say what mass it was. Uh, <laughs> there was I was taught, I was kind of preaching, and I was just going, not off the cuff, but I was really just kind of going. And there was one lady that thought what I said was hilarious, and she lost it in the pew. Uh, but I just kept going. You, you don't want to. You can hear her laughing? Uh, I can't imagine you not hearing it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't watch the live stream, right? But just uh, depends on how good the sound system was working. For mm-hmm. that mass. Yeah. So uh, the seven sacraments, there's, there are a legitimate, uh, a few different reasons why the council of Trent dogmatically declared. And when I say dogmatically, it means like definitively, like with all authority, right? Said that there are seven. Deanery, dogmatically. You just stay tuned to this episode and you're going to learn all kind of church lingo. This is what you get in the podcast, people. You wanted it and we're going to give it to you. (laughs) Father's going to give it to you instead of X. Okay, we'll keep keep it going. Uh, So the Council of Trent, which was in the uh, 13th century, so 1221, 1251, one of them, said dogmatically, definitively, with all authority, that there are seven sacraments, and Christ, Jesus Christ, instituted all seven sacraments directly. Now, I say seven because, well, first we'll get into the seven. They list a few different reasons why seven. One of them is that it goes along with the seven lively virtues. Right, so there are seven virtues, there are seven sacraments. Uh, seven's a biblical number, Christ, uh, God created the earth in seven days, right? Seventh day he rested. Um, also, one that I went into for my homily was that I, in the same way that we have a natural life, we also have a supernatural life, and that we have, they gave milestones for your normal natural life, right? So birth, um, growth to maturity, uh, healing whenever you're sick, nourishment so your daily food 
and uh, preparation before you die. And now that's five, be counted. Uh, for supernatural life, they have rebirth through baptism. You have your growth to maturity and confirmation. Of course, you have your daily nourishment with the sacrament of the Eucharist. And then you also have healing in times of illness with the sacrament of confession. And then your preparations before you die is uh, anointing of the sick. Now, I say that that's five because the other two, which is the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of holy orders, is a way of life. It's not so much, like, it is a milestone, right? So when someone gets married or someone gets ordained a priest, but this is how you live your life. This is how you're going to practice your faith in your life. So are you going to talk about in your homily series at all the types of sacraments? So we, we have seven sacraments that are broken up into three types. Yep. So I have, yep, yeah, and, and that sacraments in general, mm-hmm. like, I'll talk about, like, how they're divided and why they're divided okay. like that. I uh, want to steal your thunder if... Uh... Oh, Yeah. So it's stay all, tuned it's all there. to future homily. This episode's all about future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk to you about what we're going to talk to you about. Uh, I've heard a few homilies like that. Uh, so, yeah, the sacraments of service, which are holy orders and the sacrament of marriage, is how you live your life. How are you, you going to live this holiness, right? And, and how are you going to channel it? Well, and, and so, and how you reveal how it's ordered towards service, right? Mm-hmm. And how it's ordered towards revealing who God is to the world. Yeah. And so I talked about holy orders for that day. Now, as a little side note, uh, the Second Vatican Council, which was a, a, another church council in the, in the 60s and 70s, um, that just happened, the most recent one. But, and I'll say this whenever a Don't council. Be a heretic. No, no, no. Whenever a council is named like the Second Vatican Council or the Council of Trent, the Council of Orange, the Council of Nicaea, the council is named after the place of where it's held. So the Second Vatican Council is legitimately just the second council that happened in the Vatican. So there's a first Vatican Council that happened in the 19th century. And so they're just named after where they were held at, right? So our very first council, the Council of Nicaea, was held in Nicaea. Because you get a bunch of old bishops together, and they're not really that creative, so they just well, utilize. Yeah, well, they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to confuse people either. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, here's this thing about this. And it's like, what? You know, so we'll just name it about where we had it at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the second Vatican Council that was held at the Vatican with all the bishops and in union with the Pope, and the Pope was there, they discussed uh, a number of different things. But one of them, they gave an analogy of the Catholic Church being as a sacrament, has the nature of a sacrament. Because a sacrament communicates God's grace and love. Where the church does that. So the definition in the Catechism of the Catholic Church of a sacrament is an efficacious sign instituted by Christ to um, give grace. Mm-hmm. And so that the Catholic Church was instituted by Jesus Christ. Efficacious is the biggest word that I can say correctly. <laughs> yeah. Efficacious <laughs> means that it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Right? It causes an effect. Yep. So like I gave an analogy last week, going to a stop sign. It's like if you went to a stop sign and the stop sign actually forced you to stop, mm. right? 
that's that's kind of Maybe what I we should listen to your homilies. <laughs> <laughs> you got the podcast, you know. Uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. So it's not just a sign, and it's like, oh, look, it points to something. No, it it actually points to itself, but then also to a higher reality. It forces. So, like, confession actually forgives your sins. It's not just a symbol of forgiving your sins. And the church, the Catholic Church, was instituted by Jesus Christ. It actually causes grace, gives grace by the structure of it, and the seven sacraments are all within the Catholic Church. Um, So the sacraments form the church. So is it a sacrament? No. It is not an eighth sacrament. There has been a line of thought that has talked about the Catholic Church as an eighth sacrament, but all of that was just kind of analogous, right? The Council of Trent, as we already said, dogmatically declared that there are only seven sacraments. There are no more and there are no less. Now, the Catholic Church itself has signs, is analogous to a sacrament, but it has a sacramental, we'll just say flavor, right, for our our listeners. Um, They go into technical terms for it, uh, which is important. But if, if any of our theologians that are listening, you know, they get, you know, wind of what, like the church has an eighth sacrament, um, know that it's, it's just analogous and it's not saying that the Catholic church is itself an eighth sacrament. Mm, it just resembles. <clears throat> yep. It's just analogous to it, um, which is kind of cool. I mean, whenever I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I could see how people can see that because if you look at the definition, the technical definition of a sacrament, you can see that. So, um, okay. And that's, that's seven in number. Now, holy orders. Last week we went into confession this week, holy orders. Holy orders is bishop, priest, and deacon. It's not just priesthood. Each one, the council of Trent again, uh, declared that the, uh, that deacons being ordained a deacon is does actually cause a a sacramental character or an indelible mark on the soul um and well and that is another episode (laughs) what what is an indelible mark the sacramental seal sacraments that can be repeated versus can't be repeated and why Um, there are three sacraments that put an indelible mark on your soul you got it which ones father uh baptism confirmation and holy orders. So all the sacraments that use chrism oil. Mm. Um, now, marriage can be repeated if one of the spouses dies, mm. right? So that's why in your vows that two death do us part. Uh, that's the only reason why marriage can be repeated, right? Stay if tuned for a previous episode on marriage. Yeah, I, well, not, not for a later, yeah. for a later episode. This episode, we're, t- episode. we're talking about all the things we're going to talk about. Uh, so, holy orders. I went to scripture. First, the Old Testament. I didn't go into... Well, I have a question. Yeah, Before we go, go can I ask a question? Absolutely. Um, so, we have deacons, we have priests, and we have bishops. Mm-hmm. Do you receive holy orders more than once? No. you re- Well, I mean, I guess you can say yes, but like each one is just a more full receiving of what you already received. So it's different levels of faculties. Yes. And permissions, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. a deacon cannot celebrate mass or, or like 
you know, hear confessions or anything like that. A priest can. So he receives more totally Christ priesthood. But a priest cannot, um, one, celebrate confirmation on his own, but then also two, and big time, right? This is the big difference. A, two, a priest cannot ordain other priests, mm. like under any certain, not even with the permission of a pope, yeah. right? A, a priest can, it, he just can't. Well, so, okay, um, let's confuse the people even more. Okay. Um, can a deacon ever um, administer the sacrament of confirmation? No. Okay. Nope. I didn't think so. I just, as we're... Mm-hmm. Talking about just the levels. Yeah, of and like a, a deacon can't perform any sacrament that a lay person can't. What they're doing is they are, they're now acting and performing officially in, in, in the role of the church as a deacon. Right? What does that mean? So like somebody else won't baptize if there's a deacon present. Okay. A deacon legitimately is on a roll call to, uh, to preach and to baptize. Mm. Right, and that's done with the authority of the church. Yeah. Now, now people can baptize right with the authority of the church, but that's out, that's not ideal at all. Yeah. Right, you bring them to the church, and a priest or a deacon baptizes. You would see that in pretty extreme circumstances in a mm-hmm. hospital, maybe where mm-hmm. um, you know somebody is in danger of death. A layperson may baptize. Yes, and so the uh, the deacon, the deacon, the priest, the bishop. Uh, each one having a more full sign of Christ's priesthood, the bishop having the complete sign. And so even as a bishop moves up, let's say a cardinal, even a pope, it's, there's not, not another ordination. It's just a different, um, not faculty, how would I put it? Um, I would just say office. That is actually the exact word that's used, office. So the pope is equal to our bishop other than when he speaks dogmatically, uh, right? no, no, no in other ways, Bishop of Rome. Yes. So what makes him, I'm going to say more special than the Bishop here in Lafayette. I don't know if that's the yeah. correct way to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the Bishop and versus the Pope, a Bishop is a successor to the apostles. The Pope is the successor to St. Peter. Okay. So the Pope is the visible head of the entire Catholic church. Um, now, yes, he can speak infallibly or dogmatically, right, on his own. That's only been done, I think, twice in history, two or three times. Each one deals with Mary, mm-hmm. right? So Mary was assumed into heaven. Mary was immaculately conceived. Uh, so there's that. But so, like, when people think that the Pope speaks infallibly, they think, oh, he sneezed, or he said this is a favorite cereal, or, you know, he said this, or he tweeted that, or they caught him on the news saying this, and... That's uh, all infallible. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Uh, in fact, only, in t- only twice, I think. In the history in, of the church. In the history of the church, over 2,000 years, has the church spoken by himself dogmatically, infallibly, right? And that's only in regards to faith and morals. Now, there was the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption, right? Yes. Okay. To, to the best of my knowledge, those yeah. were the two. Yeah, each one dealt with Mary. Also thinking that it was the humanity and divinity of Jesus, but that was a council. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that was the council of, Ni- uh, of Nicaea. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a little nutshell into the hierarchy of the church. Now we, I mean, we could legitimately do a whole episode. Sure. On well, that. I mean, while we're talking about it, let's just differentiate the mm-hmm. the 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 three offices um, of holy orders. Mm-hmm. 
And look, each one of them can be pointed to in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? I, I can't go into this because I'm not as privy to it as I'd like to be. And I don't want to talk about something that, you know, I just kind of leave in confusion. I've read things before about Adam and Eve, but Adam being a priest. And that's a legitimate thing. I just, I just can't regurgitate it right now. So Adam being a priest, of course, you have Melchizedek uh, being a priest that's recognized. Um, what I went to in my homily was Aaron and Moses, Aaron being the first priest of the old covenant and then the Levitical priesthood and the 70 elders that Moses appointed in the desert. Uh, the Levitical priest, God appointed them, that tribe, as um, the priest of the old covenant because they, um, they remained faithful to God um, while Aaron did not. Whenever Moses went up the mountain and received the Ten Commandments and came back down, they all worshipped the golden calf, right? Aaron failed in uh, stopping the people from practicing idolatry. And so God appointed the tribe of Levi. So since the Old Testament, the, um, the main role of the priest was to make sure that the people believed what they were supposed to believe and to lead the public in the proper worship of God. Mm. Since the Old Testament, those are the two distinguishable factors about the priesthood. They offered sacrifice and the proper worship of God, and they taught the correct faith. That's exactly what the priests do today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly, we're talking A, B, C right now, right? That's, in a nutshell, a priest today leads the public worship of God in a correct way, right? And he teaches the faith, the correct faith. Um, I was reading something and uh, it talked about why Christ did not come from the Levitical tribe then. And he came from the David line, right? Because Christ was a true priest. He's priest, prophet, and king. Um, but why did Christ, why, did, why was the lineage of Jesus from the, uh, the line of David and not the Levitical priest? I'm forgetting why. Uh, <laughs> I like how you go off on a tangent and forget. I it. mean, like I want to, I want to let people know that these things exist, um, and that I also, you know, I'm also human, right? I forget, I forget most of the things I read. So, you- <laughs> so Father will go and research that, and in a um, future episode, <laughs> yeah, in a, in a future episode, whenever we're talking about X, Y, and Z, we'll go back to ABC. Uh, I, think, I think, I think that's going to be the name of this episode, episode sixty-two, a future episode. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you have the priesthood of the Old Testament, um, and then Christ institutes the priesthood of the New Testament, the New Covenant, whenever he says, do this in memory of me, right? That's where, that's where we definitive Council of Trent said, we point to that and say Christ directly instituted the priesthood with those exact words. Do this in memory of me. Because... He just finished celebrating the Mass Mm -hmm. where he turned wine and bread into his body and blood. And then he looked at his apostles, no one else, his apostles, and said, I want you all to do this exact same thing I just did in memory of me forever, for all eternity, until uh, until time is completed. And so the apostles, the successors to the apostles, the bishops, and the priests that they ordained, 
do that exact same thing. The mass and the priesthood are completely bound together. That's why in, in the Old Testament, Moses uh, chose 70 elders to help him. Think of Moses as a bishop and those 70 elders as priests. He chose the 70 elders and so to help him in his ministry. The bishop chooses priests, ordains priests. God chooses the priests, huh? Uh, and he ordains priests to help him in his mission uh, to, to celebrate the sacraments, these channels of divine grace. So that's kind of, and the apostles were charged with offering mass and teaching the correct faith. Even in other places in the New Testament, right? St. Paul, before he went out on mission, had hands laid on him and they prayed over him and sent him out on mission. Uh, Timothy, Barnabas, had hands laid on them by St. Paul and other priests before they went out on mission. And, and I say this, that we have other writings from the exact same time period as Scripture that say the exact same thing, right? So the Diadect was uh, a book written, a small little pamphlet book written by the Twelve Apostles. What's the diadect? I've never heard of that before. The diadect is actually, uh, that's why you'll see like the diadect Bible. I'm sure people have seen that before. Um, They'll sell it in stores and whatnot. It is a short little book. It's the writings of the 12 apostles. It's just, it wasn't approved for it to be in scripture. Mm. Isn't that wild? And they talk about it. They talk about the Eucharist. They talk about ordination to the priesthood. They talk about all that. Uh, And it's, it's the writings of the 12 apostles. Uh, so that's our, our earliest writings from that time period. And then, of course, you go into what's called the Apostolic Fathers, right? Uh, St. Hippolytus is what I brought up. St. Hippolytus in the early 200s has the exact prayers that we use for the ordination of priests and bishops mm. and, and deacons. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so our, our, it's not like we're making this stuff up. <laughs> we're, we're legitimately have the same exact prayers that were used in the first generations of Christians, right? And so if someone wants to contest the church today, they have to contest against the church that started immediately after Jesus. And if you say, well, they got it wrong, so now you're saying that the church that knew Jesus, that knew the 12 apostles, were immediately wrong from the get-go about core beliefs. And so then, did Jesus actually start a church? If it, if it just immediately went into error? I would make the argument of, did Jesus actually exist? Yeah. Did you, was Jesus actually God? Did Jesus actually say, you know, uh, you, know you, Peter, and upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail? If, if it taught the wrong things and offered bad worship since the beginning? Even the Old Testament had that. So, yeah. You'd have to go, you'd have to go to some pretty big extremes to uh to contest that mm. and uh and rightfully so i don't think people are ready to do that yeah i think they would just try to go about it in other ways uh made up ways we'll say yeah so that's kind of the priesthood uh from there the priesthood today right we we do the exact same thing we um we offer the we lead the public worship of god we we teach the correct faith um and we help the bishop Right, so it's just communicated in this way. 
So that's that's holy orders. So if you are a young man um, who's listening to this, who maybe have had thoughts about, you know, is God calling you to the priesthood? Um, what I would like to do is encourage you to continue to, um, to sit with God with those thoughts, continue to sit with him in prayer as you discern that, and reach out to Father Poirier or Father Brady and schedule some time just to chat. Not a commitment to becoming a priest, but just, hey, this I'm wrestling with this thought right now, right? Yeah. Um, even for um, maybe those of you who are graduating, who are thinking about priesthood, like going to the seminary is not a commitment to becoming a priest. Going to the seminary is a commitment to discerning God's will in your life without, with fewer distractions. Yeah. I would say if you're thinking about priesthood, here's my recommendations. Those, right? I would continue to read scripture every day. Uh, pray your rosary every day. And if uh, the desire is still there, then reach out to me and we'll have what's called spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is not a, a commitment, right? It's, it's we're determining what's from God and what's not from God and where, where do we think God is moving in your life and, and how you can properly react to the Holy Spirit. And, and go with him. Lift up your sails and let the wind take you, the breath of the Holy Spirit. That would be my recommendation. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and the future episodes that we've alluded to. There we go. Um, we look for, if you did, share this episode with your friends. Uh, be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast listener of choice. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend. God bless. God bless.